And I'm going to start with two stories, and so let me give you the first one, okay? Uh, so about three and a half years ago, this is when Verity and I were on our baby moon, right? Right before our first baby was born, Finley, we're like, hey, let's get away because life's about to change, okay? And so we went down to Cabo San Lucas, right? Grab some Coco Locos and just have a nice time. Like, that was kind of the plan. And so we get to Sky Harbor, and if you've been to Sky Harbor, it can be somewhat busy from time to time. And so we walk in, and, and the ticketing lines are just super long, especially the one at Southwest. Now, thank the Lord, we were flying American, because we were running late for a flight, and we were flying American because of freedom and stuff like that. And so, just kidding. Um, and so Southwest line is very long, and we're now waiting in line, probably two people away from the ticketing agent. And I say to Verity, because we're running close on time, I say to her, uh, man, it's a good thing we're not in that Southwest line, okay? Now, the ticketing agent looks up to me, and she says, what was that? What? And I said, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? She goes, you know, if you don't like it, sir, you can just go. And I said, excuse me? She said, if you don't like standing in this line, you can just leave. You don't need to be here. And I'm like, whoa. I said, lady, listen. I said, I'm glad I'm not in the Southwest line. And she says, no, I heard you. I heard what you said. If you don't like it, just leave. She keeps saying that. And at that point, when she says, I heard you, I know what you said, let me just tell you what begins to happen in my soul, right? It was this burning fire of like 10,000 dragons, right, that just want to devour this woman, right? And I'm so angry. And, and, and the right response would be impatience. Say, you know what? You know what she misunderstood? I love you. It's fine. Jesus loves you. Do you want to become a Christian? <laughs> Instead, I go with, don't you dare tell me what I said. I know what I said because I have a voice and ears, lady. <laughs> Customer service representative. I'm getting full sass, right? And literally the anger inside. Why? Because she is not justifying my reality. Right? I, I sense this injustice. And so I lash out and we go back and forth. Eventually she tells me, you know what? You're going to act like this. Guess what? I'm not going to let your mom get on this plane. And so she doesn't give my mom her boarding pass. This further enrages me. You cannot imagine. I'm, I'm like knocking stuff off the table. She's a terrible person. Eventually, I was like, I want to see your manager. Manager comes over. I tell her the situation. She gets my mom on the plane. It's just stressful, right? People are behind me. They're understanding the injustice situation. They're like, yeah, Vince, you know, do it, buddy. You know, they're cheering me on. And it's this whole thing. I'm literally all the way to the escalator. If you've ever been to Sky Harbor, there's like the escalator up to the next floor where you go to get on your flight. I'm yelling on my way up the escalator. Like, I'm like hey, you, I gotcha, you know? And I'm literally, so this, okay, that's story number one. Story number two. Story number two. Two summers ago, myself and, and Todd Davison, Christina's husband, we were in Guatemala together, and uh, we were there with Champions in Action, and again, we work with these unbelievably underprivileged and affected children from red zones all across Guatemala City, and so we had 11 girls from our team, Todd and I, a couple other Americans that had come with us, or come from America to go on the trip. Uh, a couple of Guatemalan mentors, and, and on Thursday evening, the, one of the last nights of the trip, you just go around, you share stories, and testimonies, what you've been through, whatever you kind of feel like sharing, and so we share, and these kids share, and, and given the crowd, I'll spare some of the detail, right, but, but as it comes around the circle, each and every gal of all 11 of them come up and share stories of just pain, and sorrow, and hurt. 
things committed against them that are devastating, okay? And so in that same moment, right, there's this same emotion that wells up in my heart, right? This, this anger, specific about this one story, which again, I, I, I'm not going to share today, okay? Um, this, this one, but it moves me towards anger because of the acts that people had committed against these girls that I had come to love. And so this same anger, this rushing kind of fire to devour something, because something has gone wrong, something was broken, something is not right. That same emotion elicits this same response, but it causes a different action. And it drives me instead to, man, want to push our church farther into what it means to partner with girls in Guatemala. It pushes me into prayer over the hearts of these women. It pushes me into deep uh, reflection and confession in my own heart of the things where I've let people down and hurt people before me. So now here's the thing. Anger is the emotion we'll talk about today, and yet it has very different implications depending on where we're at. The topic is a sermon, or the title today's sermon is Self-Control in a World of Anger. Okay. And the, the, the title of our series is, is, uh, is Wisdom in Dizzying Times. So the dizzying times today, as you look out in our cultural landscape, we won't spend too much time on it. It's just angry, is it not? Right? Like, like if you're on, you watch any talk show, you read any, if you read Facebook stream for long enough, okay, you sit in a coffee shop and you just hear people dialoguing, you sit in classroom students and you just begin to hear stuff. Like, it's just like an angry world right now. And the reality is, is some of it's for good reason, and some of it's not. Some of it's selfish, and some of it is for the sake of the other. But it is angry times that we exist in, and now the church is called to a specific type of anger and a specific type of pursuit. Now, oftentimes, anger just gets kind of thought of as a bad thing. But the Bible doesn't even characterize it that way. And so let me read to you in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says this. This is a command, an imperative from Paul to the Ephesian church. In verse 26, he says, no, be angry and do not sin. Right? So be angry, just don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Right? So, no, so there must be this anger then that we're called to have this emotion elicited in us and then respond in kind. Now, a few things before we jump into the word. I'm going to just be honest with you guys, and I just shared that story in the front end. Like, I struggle with anger. And, and even this morning, I was talking to a friend, and, and she's standing there. I said, hey, actually, like, I struggle with anger a lot. And she says, no, you? Type, that, like, that type of response. And, and I said, well, yeah, that's because I hide it well, you know? You see, I, I grew up kind of my formal years, 13 to 22, uh, living in California. And in California, it's just cooler to be chill, right? Like, it's not cool to be angry and emotional. It's cooler to be like, you all right, man? Yeah, dude, let's go surf. And, and, and like, that's not a characterization. I mean, like, that's literally my response for, like, all of college. Anytime I was angry, it's like, hey, what are you upset about? Don't worry about it, man. Let's, just, let's go get in the water. Like, it was always kind of this escapism, this chill, no big deal. And so for so long then, what that allowed me to do is not acknowledge the reality that I'm kind of a hot-running, angry dude. And so if I don't have to deal with it, I don't have to deal with it, and then it never gets figured out. And I think we do this for a lot of us. I think we just say, you know what, like, this is internal. I can kind of just punt on it, not think about it. But I tell you what, man, if you don't confront it, it will come back to bite you and hurt others along the way. And so, listen, everyone across the room, I don't know your story. Like, I'm kind of, people have said, like, well, my wife has said, I'm a long fuse to an atomic bomb, right? Like, I mean, I'm just like, I'm cool, I'm cool, and then I'm the devil. Like, I'm just, it's craziness. 
But some of you, you're just, you're just, you're like a firecracker, right? You just kind of a little pop. You're like, ah, I'm angry, and then you're fine, you know? So somewhere, like I'm saying, on the spectrum, so you're somewhere on this. And I'm telling you, at every level, you got to deal with it. At every level, we, we have to process and deal through the reality that, that anger is a thing. Uh, my second point is this, anger is also an emotion that everyone experiences, and it's not your fault. And hear, hear me. Um, you don't control the initial response, okay? So, so when something angers you, you didn't say, all right, heart, please feel angry, right? You just felt angry. You could not control the initial flinch of anger. That's just true for everybody. But here's the next point. You can control what you get angry about. Now, let me be clear with this. Uh, the reason why I believe this to be true is because you can control your idols, you can control the things that you worship, the things that you celebrate, the things you think ultimate in your life. And those things are the things you get angry about, is it not? Right? Like, so, I mean, if, if I idolize, like, and I did for a long time, money and wealth and, like, my entire, like, family has all come with, like, six-figure jobs and expectations. And so money was kind of that deal for me. I was like, I'm chasing status. I'm chasing security. I'm chasing finances. And so when anything would happen where those would be attacked, man, I began to freak out and anger would well up uh, against anyone who was impeding upon my wealth. Now, as, as hopefully as I've grown and sanctified, it's less money now. There's, there's hopefully more altruistic things that I get angry about. And I look at some of the injustices of our world, injustices in our town, and say, you know, that moves me to anger. Because what I've done is hopefully instead of idolizing money, I've idolized God and his kingdom. And so you can control what angers you. You can't control that flinch. This is going to happen. But you can control what angers you. And then lastly, you can control what you do with that anger. Okay. You have volition. You have ability. Like you are able to employ your actions, your body, right, to engage in activity that is in response to how you feel. You choose that, how you act and how you respond. Okay, so if all of these things are true, what I think Proverbs gives us, and we'll look at a litany of verses today, what Proverbs gives us is, is this, this whole kind of wide swath of how to be faithful and be angry in such a way as to pursue the kingdom of God and not sin. Okay, so we'll look at three uh, pursuits of folly, uh, and we'll look at three pursuits of wisdom, all underneath the blanket umbrella of anger. So the first one of folly is when you commit anger in ignorance. Okay, when you have anger in ignorance, and this comes from Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Okay, uh, this first drives me, and, and here, kiddos, this little shout out to you, to our good friend, we put up the, the, the picture here, to our good friend Darla from Finding Nemo. Okay, um, has everyone seen this movie? Yes, if you haven't, we should stop service now, okay, and just... So this is Darla. If you don't know the scene, essentially this is this, this young gal, kiddos, right? And if you've seen the movie where she's holding up the fish, right? And the fish is upset. And so what she begins to do, she begins to get angry and she's shaking the fish, right? And so little Nemo's in there like, you know, flopping around trying to pretend to be dead also while almost becoming dead, okay? 
And so what you have in, in this moment is, is this young gal, she doesn't really know any better. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't understand the feelings of the fish. She's just angry, and it's in this ignorant way. She doesn't really know what's going on. She cannot empathize. She cannot begin to experience and understand many ways the consequences of her actions, and so she's just shaking this bag, and this poor fish is going crazy, okay? So I think oftentimes, you can pull that down. It's going to be distracting. Um, I think oftentimes... We're just angry because we're ignorant. We do not realize what it has upon the people around us. We do not understand oftentimes where people are at and why they're acting in such a way that might cause anger at us. So that lady that is the ticketing agent, man, she could have had the worst day. I don't know. Like maybe something terrible happened in her morning. People have been yelling at her all day and then she just misheard. It wasn't really her fault. She thought I said something. Uh, And so, man, here I am just being that next guy to pour upon oppression upon her. This is ignorant. I, I don't know this person. I don't know her story. I don't know what causes her to hurt I don't know what things cause her to recoil, what causes her to push forward and attack, right? And so much of my anger in that moment was just based in ignorance. And so the remedy for that is to learn and to listen. Should we just turn this off? Uh, Is to listen and learn, right? It's to ask questions. It's to engage with other people that have actual voices and minds and hearts and stories that want to tell you, hey, this is why and this is who I am. And maybe that would influence the anger that we have. I look across, again, our landscape of our country, and I'm just like, man, oftentimes there's this anger. And if let's just be honest. There are sides everywhere, right? We've drawn dividing lines in every possible way we can. And so on every other side of this equation, there's anger and frustration, yet no conversation, right? There's this, well, this is just who you are, but I guarantee you, you set this person and this person down to have a meal, and that conversation goes vastly different than they expect. But it's, an, it's anger based in ignorance, and it is foolish. It is a pursuit of folly to be angry in that way, and the church should have no part of it. Number two, folly number two, a pursuit that has anger in contention, Proverbs 26, 21, as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is the quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Proverbs 21, 19, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Now, some of you are this. Like some of you just, you just want to fight. You want to quarrel. You want to be contentious just because like that's the spirit that has like kind of come in you. It should just kind of fight at every turn right, to get into the battle. So it's not just that you don't know where someone is. It's maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you just want to argue and you want to be right. You want to be found true because your identity is staked on it, staked on you being the right one in any different situation, argument, etc. And this also, friends, is, is this is not something the church should be part of. We flee from anger and a contentious spirit. James 4, 1 and 2 says this, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. 
Right? So, I mean, this is that battle. This is why Paul, I think, in, in, even in, in throughout the scriptures where he just talks about his own sin, his own brokes. I don't know why I do what I don't want to do and why I don't do what I call myself to, and et cetera. It's, a, it's this reality of this emotion welling up and it being used for contentious purposes instead of what we'll talk about in just a little bit, to just battle. Now, some people are even beyond this. Okay? And some of us might find ourselves there, whether it be all the time or sometimes, where it's not, it goes past contentiousness and into just, you just want to see bad things happen. And those people exist in our world, and we need to know that. And sometimes we might even have those tendencies in us, and we need to understand that and rebuke that. But the great theologian slash butler, uh, Alfred from Batman the Dark Knight, says this. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn, right? And, and listen, I know people. Maybe you guys don't. Like, maybe you're just like, nobody's like, people are like that, that just thrive on chaos. They thrive on brokenness. When something terrible happens, they're, I won't say excited, but they're like, let me turn on the news, and I'm more engaged than ever. Like, this is a reality of sin in our world. It, disrupts and ruins and distorts what is God's good image in us and is supposed to be in our heart. And some of us move into this like anger by contention, by battle, by fight, by quarrel, and it's all because internally we're warring with ourselves about what we have and what we don't have, if we're right, if we're not right, and looking for validation from those around us to prove that it's okay. And then some, some people just want to watch the world burn. Which reminds me of, next guy, Sid from Toy Story. <laughs> Evil kid, right? But if you know the films, not beyond redemption, okay? Okay? And so here, here's what you're going to find, and, and there might be a few more of these. Uh, that every character and every story in this room, hear me, whether or not you've, you're, maybe you're, you're Sid, right? You're just, you're just blowing up <laughs> toy figurines because you're just that sick, okay? Um, there is hope, Right? It's not just because these are movies. This is true life stories of people we all know, right? We're like, that person's too far gone. No, no, no. The redemptive work of Jesus heals and restores and makes us like Christ, right? So like Anthony shared with that quote last week, it's not like be who you like naturally were. No, be who you are reborn to be because that is who we are in Christ. And so there's always hope and restoration. Now, the second part of this, you can bring that down, is, is some of you, you're not this, but you hang around this, right? You just, you hang around that contentious person that's always trying to pick a fight, that can't just let something go, that's always on Facebook, like, I better win this, right? Always, 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 and they are tearing you down, I guarantee it. Now, this doesn't mean, hey, ostracism, I'll never look, talk, but if that's who you surround yourself with is contentious folks, this is who you will become. That's why Proverbs, the, the warning is not even don't be this, it's don't surround yourself with this. Flee from this church and call people out when they are living in it, okay? The third pursuit of folly is anger in jealousy. Proverbs 29.11 says this, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. And Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, which, give me my next guy, syndrome from Mr. Incredibles, okay? Kiddos, everyone seen Mr. Incredibles? If you haven't, let's talk to your parents, okay? So, um, so syndrome, he was a little boy, and his name was Incrediboy, 
Okay, And he tried to be Mr. Incredible's sidekick. And so he's trying to go, I want to help you, I want to help you, I want to help you. He gets rejected, and he spends the rest of his kind of adolescent into adult life plotting this scheme to take over the world and tear down Mr. Incredible, right? Like, this is it. And it's all based in what? That when he was like 10 years old, he heard a harsh word from his hero. Right, Manny? Aw, it's super sad. It is super sad. Everyone, the what about the Incredibles? Okay, the movie's been out for like 10 years. Yeah, that's on you guys. You, you know, you hadn't seen it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, like I'm about to, you want to hear what happened in Walking Dead this week? You tell me that, we're in trouble, right? But Incredibles, that's old school, okay? Um, no, but seriously, right? So this harsh word comes upon him, and anger overcomes this poor boy's heart. And so it, it sounds silly, right? And I get it, it's just a movie, but man, there, I know these stories. You probably know these stories where harshness and verbal abuse and things have torn down youth and kids and people as they've grown up, and yet they've spent their whole time trying to just fit in or be loved, but instead they've been belittled and pushed away, and so they rebel. And then therein lies some of our ignorance and our anger to say, man, how dare these young kids act this way when they do it because of the system of oppression that exists in our world. And so I know this is silly, but kids, listen, like you are loved And harsh words, man, should be far and distant from the church. And then anger and jealousy, which is why we often lash out and speak words of anger to each other. When we attack each other, oftentimes it's all based in a jealous rage. You're not something you wish you, you see this and experience this gap between you and another or you and another situation. And so in order for you to close that gap, you lash out and attack those because you can't get there, so you bring people down to you. Okay. So this, this anger and, and jealousy reality, it not just tears us apart, it tears apart the others, which then in itself leads into this continual cycle of anger and hurt and pain that exists in our world today. In church, we cannot find ourselves to be part of it. Now, anger, not just used for bad reasons. We're looking at three ways it's used well also. The first one is uh, this pursuit of wisdom and anger. It's not in a certain way, but it's as, right? So anger as this in this pursuit. How do we utilize anger well? The first one in a pursuit of wisdom is anger as lament versus anger as ignorance. So, so instead of ignorance and ignoring or being blind to something. No, no, no. We learn and then we lament. And this is a lost art amongst, I think, the people of God, although we see it consistently over and over and over throughout Scripture, this idea of looking upon the broken sin of this world and just feeling and empathizing with the pain and the hurt of the other. Lament. Proverbs 14, 29, again, says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. They know, and so they're not, they don't jump to anger. Rather, no, they jump, I think, other direction, which isn't frustrating anger with the other, but lament for the pain that the other experience. This uh, embodied by none other than Dory from Finding Nemo or Finding Dory. Okay? Uh, but in Finding Nemo, okay, In contrast to Darla, who's acting out in ignorance, Dory acts out in compassion and lament, right? So she's just floating along, just singing. I can't really remember. It's been a while, but she's singing. And then she gets invited into what? Marlon's story in the pursuit of his son. 
And so she gets swept up in the reality that here's a father chasing after his son. Well, sure, I'll help because I can only imagine the pain you must be going through. And sure, we've all had this story too, right? Where, where someone has come to us with pain, with hardship, and we felt this emotion. And dare I say, it's, it's anger, it's frustration, it's hurt itself. And I'm telling you, you're supposed to take that and then go and love, lament, and serve those around you. Right? And step into their pain. And step into their hurt. And be part of their story in a real, helpful, and righteous way. Um, the next one, moving on, excuse me, <clears throat> wisdom number two, that pursuit is anger as justice and peacemaking versus contention. So not anger and contention, but rather taking the anger and using it for justice and for peacemaking. Proverbs 15.8 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention, Okay. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he was slow to anger, quiets contention. You see that this, this, this anger, this, this understanding of, of unrighteousness should move us towards peace. Should cause the Christian in the room to be kind of the helpful beacon of hope for those around experiencing anger. Now, again, to go back to the screen, in contrast, we've got Woody from Toy Story 1 again. In contrast, right, to Sid. Because what happens at the end of the movie in Toy Story 1, right? Sid getting ready to blow up uh, our favorite space, space guy, uh, Buzz, right? And Buzz is about to get blown up in a rocket. And then what happens is, is, is Woody kind of puts together his crew and they kind of form this like intervention with Sid. And he does the spinning head thing, which I was like, hey, can I do that? I couldn't. And so like he spins his head 360 degrees around, freaks Sid out. And he says, listen up, man, like this hurts us. Like, do you, do you realize, like, this hurt? And he, he comes up, and what is he? He's honest and open and bears, like, who he is. He lets the secret out. Why? To keep peace, to pursue justice, right? They could have, listen, they're creepy toys. Like, they probably could have found a way to take that kid out. But instead, they said, no, what's the best way for flourishing? And they, they said, let's get together. Let's be true to ourselves. Let's show him our real self. Let's be honest, and let's pursue peace and justice for all toys forever. Okay. Now again, listen, kiddos, every time you watch a movie, have your parents break it down. Be like, hey, like, where are some of these amazing redemptive themes in all these films? And they're all over the place. Anthony's favorite movie is Inside Out, which I'm pretty sure is like the Gospel of Luke. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's just, all right, Pixar, we get it. Like, you're a Christian. It's good, you know. So, um, and so listen, spend time, kids, like when you watch this stuff, that's why I'm putting these up here, and they're awesome. And so, but listen, that's the same that goes true for us, that we can use your anger and your frustration, you can use that for justice and for peace, but too often you use it to just attack, to, to stay at, you know, at a distance, right, and you, and you just lob bombs as if that's helpful. I'm telling you, it's not. And we're going to see in the primary reason why in just a moment. But that's not it, right? Peace, and you step into the situation, you enter into, you understand, and you lament, which moves you then, knowing where people are at, no longer ignorant, no longer with a contentious spirit, you move towards peace. And honestly, I have a vision, I have a desire for, not, not like redemption church, but surely us, but the church, right? Christianity, Christians, the, the people of God should be the beacon of hope amongst crazy times in our world today. 
that when there's dividing line after dividing line after dividing line and we want to line up on either side, that we say, no, man, like here's why the church is the only group fit to navigate these times. It's because our allegiance is not to any single one of these sides, but to Jesus alone. And so if that's true, and he's called consistent, constant, self-sacrificial unity in the church and for all people, since he's called us to that, the world should look to us and say, that's how it's done. That's how conversations happen. Now, let me be very clear. That does not mean don't have your opinions, and that does not mean there are not drastic issues that need to be talked about. But I'm saying they need to be talked about and done in a way that pursues peace and reconciliation and not how do I make you feel bad for who you think you are and what you think you believe, right? And that, there's, there's tons of that. But now how do we sit down at a table and have some discussions? How, and then, here we go, ready? How do you lay your life down that others might learn? Instead of puff yourself up. So, listen, you're not meant to make yourself the example so people could look to you and say, oh, that's how it's done, right? You're meant to lift up and herald Jesus, and then people would look to him and say, oh, that's how it's done. And I'll tell you what, oftentimes lifting up means you getting on the ground, okay? It, it means you coming up from below and serving and dying to self instead of you having to be at the forefront and always correct. Okay, so our anger can move us towards justice. Um, the last one, uh, wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom number three, anger as a call to prayer versus, versus like in jealousy. No, no, no. It's not a self-focused jealousy that then moves us to action. It is rather anger moves us to prayer. James 4, 1 through 2 again says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Here's the last line. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay? And, and listen, James is like the New Testament book of wisdom. That's what, that's what kind of every, every uh, theologian, every um, commentary will tell you, right? So this is New Testament wisdom for us. And it's saying, listen, you do not have these things. You still quarrel because you don't ask. You don't talk to God. You don't pray. Now our last character, give it to me, Mr. Incredible. Okay, my dude, okay, just looking, looking fly. And so Mr. Credible, at the end of the story, right, his entire narrative, if you watch the film, is him constantly saying like, hey, man, like, I got this. I don't need your help. Kids, like, you see that. Like, he tells the young boy, I don't need help. He never lets the police officers help him. His own wife and kids, like, he's like, no, I got this. He goes, he has a secret mission by himself. But at the end, he finally breaks down because he knows that the enemy he needs to conquer syndrome, okay? He can't conquer syndrome on his own. So what does he do? He asks for help. And all of a sudden you got, you know, his wife and his little fast kid and invisible girl and stuff like that. And then Frozone's coming in there, you know, just crushing it. And so like the whole group, right? He's like, I need help. I cannot do this by myself. And so anger can move us and should move us as a call to prayer because the reality is, is you and I can't fix the world and we can't fix ourselves. We do not have because we do not ask. We don't, we don't talk to the Lord. And he said, no, no, come, ask, knock, seek. Come to my door, annoy me, bug me. Come. Like he uses this illustration of you at your house knowing you need something, going to your neighbor's house and knocking on their door when they come and say, no, thank you. He, you knock again, right? Like you just keep knocking on the door. I don't recommend you do this in the real world, but with God, do it. Like, keep going him. Ask over and give me wisdom, Lord. Give me grace. Give me yourself that I might understand and walk in your ways. Okay, you can take down Mr. Incredible. Now, here 
in lies the only way this is possible for us. That, that we would be a people that, that would move towards lament, right, in, in, instead, of, uh, instead of ignorance, that, that we'd move towards peacemaking instead of contention, and that we'd move to prayer instead of jealousy, is that we'd have to look to the one who embodies this perfectly, like the true and greater Mr. Incredible, like the true Mr. Incredible of our entire history, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, right? I mean, like, and, and maybe that's not a shocker, but like to really, let's, let's get down into Jesus for a moment. Let's just think through his life. Does not his entire story, his birth, the fact that Jesus existing, omnipotent, omnipresent, God, all-powerful, all-knowing, good, faithful, created you, created me, looked upon a world in rebellion, could have destroyed us, could have stayed back in his throne, cast judgment, but no, what does he come to? He lays his life down that he might bring peace to the world. He doesn't move towards fear-based contention. He's not a jealous, well, he, there's a verse that says he's a jealous God, but that's like different, okay? It is, I, just if you don't believe me, it is, okay? So, uh, dang it. Um, no, he, he, he pursues us pursues justice in the world. And justice had to be brought. It had to be wrath. There had to be a payment and a penalty. So he came and took it. He lived the life we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die. And then he raised on the third day to bring new life, to restore not just, right, not, not just his own life, but the lives of all who would come to know him. Indeed, this very creation, which is longing and groaning for redemption, the Bible says. Okay. This, this is the story of the gospel. Look at Jesus' life. Like, you know when he goes in and starts turning over tables and that classic story, he gets in the temple, they're using it for kind of improper means. He wants it to make it. It's like, no, my house should be a house of prayer. Do you know before he goes in there, starts, this was not this impetuous act on Christ's part. Like he saw what it was and it says that he came down and he fashioned a whip. Now, I don't know how quick and, and how good your whip fashioning skills are, but it takes some time, right? Like, I literally thought to myself, like, I'm going to go to Michael's. I'm going to get some stuff. I'm going to fashion a whip just to see how long, right? So here's what happened. He sees anger, or he, he feels anger. He sees an injustice. He sees his house isn't being used in the way it's supposed to be used. That's not used. And so he goes away, and he gets some materials, and he makes a whip, and then he runs in there, and he starts going to town bringing about goodness and cleansing the sin of the place. Okay. And so anger in Christ was not this impetuous, petty, let me just attack you. It's like, no, no, no. There are bigger things of injustice that he wished to address, not out of jealousy, but out of love. That's the person of Christ. He had a healthy fear of God. And he was doing it for the redemption of all people. He lamented often. Oftentimes getting away, right, to, to think and to pray. He looked upon the city of Jerusalem and said, oh, if you just would have known the day of your visitation in pain. He's in the garden of Gethsemane sweating blood and tears out of the brokenness and the pain he's experiencing because of where the world had gone. He experienced lament. And the reality is, friends and family, is that, man, his spirit now lives inside all those who call him Lord and Savior. 
So a pursuit of wisdom in this area of anger and a rejection of folly in this, this realm of anger is possible because the Spirit of God lives in you. Not because like you're good enough and you heard a good enough sermon to be able to kind of kick you in the pants to go. It's because the Spirit of God resides in the believer that we have a fighting chance to actually live this out. And so the answer has to be to go to him. We land with this, James 1, 19 and 20. And another verse in Timothy, know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So guys, be, be slow to anger, pursue wisdom, like make that a charge. But more importantly, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Here's why. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil and being captured by him to do his will. That at the end of the day, listen, this is all true because God is the one who's in control. You're in these battles to try and win. You think your anger and your frustration is going to lead you towards a victory or you won one for your camp or whatever. No, I mean, forget that because it's God who leads people to repent. It's God who changes hearts. It's not your winsomeness, although you should try and be winsome, right? It's not your words, although use good words. It's God that changes hearts. And so we can end today and not live in like, oh man, but I'm going to blow this. Yeah, you are going to blow this. But God is the one that changes hearts and changes the direction of history. He's the one that's restoring the world and redeeming all life. So pursue him and pursue wisdom and stop being so angry yeah, for the wrong reasons. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your book and uh, God, all the things in it. God, we thank you for even how silly it can be to, to look at films. God, I think you do intentionally. You write your story into this world in ways that I, I'm sure Hollywood is not thinking through, at least not everywhere. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that we would, everywhere we go, we would have eyes to see your story of redemption. God, your, your push and movement towards wisdom and life not towards anger in, in, the, in the sense that we puff ourselves up and we try and win a victory for us. Lord, that is not what you've called us to. God, you've called us to, to lay it down as you have, to be like you, to imitate Christ. So Holy Spirit, we come before you and say, and, and I confess my own pursuit of unrighteous anger and the use of unrighteous anger, God, to win and subsequently hurt those around me at times. And Lord, I pray that you would move us towards repentance, grant us faith, grant us goodness in yourself, God. God, would your word be ever real to us as we open it, that we constantly see what you've done and how you've acted with us and how that sends us to the world. God, bless our kids who are in here. God, and you know, I, Lord, I talk fast, and so I pray that you would just sink deeply into their souls and their hearts. God, that they would know you in incredible and amazing ways, that they would see you clear, and that, God, that you would encounter them with truth and with love, with grace, mercy, and salvation. God, we ask for your blessing as we respond to you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So now, as always, we're going to take just, just a couple minutes to sit and reflect on the Word of God. And then Anthony will come up, lead us in a time of response. And I'd love for you just, just to reflect on the person of Jesus, what he did and how he embodied 
like this righteous emotion, this righteous anger that moved him to action for us. And how now he sends us to do the same.